This week on Kettle of Fish, writer and happiness activist Mary Latham stops by to talk about finding more good in the world. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, kids, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the No Politics Laughter Show, where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, and models about life, love, and the creative process, and sometimes a little about politics. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my peacekeeping, silver lining seeking, bright side peeping producer, the upside down to my frown. It's always sunny on Meth Mountain with D. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's not been very sunny lately. It's been really, really hard. Like, it's just the weather's been gross, and it's snowed basically every week for the last three weeks, and it just, and it's just enough. Now, don't to get negative on me. You're I'm supposed try- to be my sunshine. I know. It's been really, really hard lately, but things are looking up. I am expecting a an actual job offer as a child abuse prevention specialist, and I'm super duper excited about that, and I think... I think I'll be able to have an office full of toys, and there's not much in the world that makes me happier than that. So, yeah, things are looking up. And we're going to a kick-ass Doctor Who wedding in about six weeks. Oh, my gosh. It's only six weeks? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yep. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. Are we ever truly ready? All right. Let's get Fern in here. (laughs) And a girl who seeks out the best and the worst of us and also sees her beer as not half empty, not half full, but twice as small as it needs to be. Fern, the voice, voice, heart. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it is never full enough. Um, I actually, uh, there was a never-ending pitcher last night, which was fun, um, which definitely helped out with my pool game once I kicked off my big girl shoes and decided to put, plant my feet on the ground and be connected. That It worked out a little better, but yeah. The glass is never half empty. It's never half full. It's just twice as big as it needs to be. But it can never be too full of beer. Your there cup you never runneth over when it comes to alcohol, does it? There you go. It, well, uh, you know, we can't say that. I have had nights where I've been absolutely poisoned by maybe a little too much. We've all been... Uh, I love what our our current guest is said as overserved. So we've all been a little overserved <laughs> before, um, but yeah, it's normally it doesn't run over too much. All righty, well, fair enough. And today I'm struggling because after not eating sugar, God, for months now, we ate sugar last night and we had a normal dinner. Um, Dee made some sandwiches and potato tots, but then I ate like a whole sleeve of Chips Ahoy cookies <laughs> because I haven't eaten sugar in so long. And I would like, it's funny because I'm getting to the age now where I'll actually wake up with a food hangover. If I yeah. eat too much, yeah. I'll feel like I'm hungover from alcohol from eating too much sugar. Hashtag truth. I don't get hungover from alcohol. I get hungover from cookies or like, oh, I ate that whole pint of Ben and Jerry's. What was I thinking? Oh, God, but it was so good. <laughs> well, who knows when I'll get to eat sugar again. So I was kind of stockpiling, creating a hump 
of sugar, yep. but in the front, not the back. Well, that's the way I, I roll. I think it may be sooner than later because next Sunday is Easter. No fooling, I promise. It is. Ha ha. Double entendre there. Little. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> next. <laughs> Next Easter falls on April Fool's Day. Yeah. So I told Dee, I'm thinking about getting the kids a basket full of Trump mer- uh, like merchandise and swag, some mega yeah. hats and we stuff like that. We don't want them to cry. Like I think that would make them all cry. Uh, <laughs> well, they would just ask where the real Easter booty is. Yeah. They, if they anything would help my diet, that would that would definitely help my diet. I <laughs> would see would. that and have zero appetite. <laughs> That would turn your life out. All right, so let's talk about today's show. So many times, especially on the political show, although we have lightened up the politics, I'm kind of switched gears from getting too deep down the rabbit hole. But, I mean, we all tend to get a little bit too negative at times. Fern, you seem to deal with all the negative, hateful assholes on Facebook and Twitter a lot better than I do. But I'm glad I told you um, a couple weeks ago that I was kind of just keeping my focus on this show coming up to kind of bear through all the other hard work we have to do. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes that's it, it's not much. Sometimes it's very small, but hanging on to little tiny pieces of positive when things go to shit around you is the only way you can have fuel to move forward. And it's sometimes the smallest of things, but highly important. Could not agree more. All right, Dee, you want to tell us who we... And now I sound like I'm on, like, NPR or something. Dee, would you like to tell us who we have on today's show and what we've got coming up on the program? Thank you, Mrs. Fraser. <laughs> All right. If you start talking like Fraser, then we're going to have problems. Uh, no, I do love Fraser though. Yeah, yeah it's next- from my stomach. I don't have the same energy level today because right now my stomach is still like all cramped up I from know. the show. You'll be all right. Okay, so uh, this coming Wednesday on Musical Osmosis, we have Cecilia Bostrom of The Baboon Show that will be joining us. Um, and then because next Sunday is Easter, we are actually going to be recording our Kettle of Fish on Saturday with comedian Willie Roberts. Uh, then the Wednesday after, we are going to have Charlie Harper of UK Subs on with Musical osmosis and coming up very very soon on kettle of fish we are going to have better known as xander from buffy the vampire slayer we are having the super sweet super nice nicholas brendan will be joining us I- i'm telling you we've met quite a i few. wonder if he remembers me i know right uh, he'd probably remember adele because she was so cute like she was just adorable when That's she was true. little um she, and she I'm was. never adorable. <laughs> um, but he was super duper nice and super sweet when we met him in person. We've been very fortunate that um, there, I, I'm sure that there are not quite so nice celebrities in the world, but we have had the privilege. Screech! <laughs> we have had the privilege that most of them that we have been in contact with, whether on our show or in person, have just been the most awesome human beings, and it's just brought greatness and goodness into our lives. Speaking of goodness, like that little segue there, um, today we are having someone who, it's funny, I don't know of anybody with this first name who is not just a ray of sunshine, because of course we also have our own Mary on the network which is tincan.media, not .com, that's .media, um, doing Uncustomary, and she's all rainbows and balloons and fun things. I, I don't Not know. also that. I remember years ago, and I just thought about this today, mm-hmm. there was a movie, I, don't, I think it was a made-for-TV movie about this guy who was embezzling money and then giving it to the poor and signing the check, see more good. 
And that this whole that that movie came across my brain this morning when I was like organizing everything for the show today. Yes. So from the website where she can be found currently, as well as everywhere across the United States, from moregood.today. That's not .com. It's just like tincan.media. Just go moregood.today. Push enter. Poof, you're there. We have the seeker of happiness and goodness and kindness all across the United States, Ms. Mary Latham. Yay, Mary. How you doing? Good. How are you guys? We are excellent. And I want to thank you for calling in today. And, you know, I also want to call you, um, thank you for being a force of good in a sometime bleak world. I think what you're doing is so important. Oh, thank you so much. I, I feel bad. I'm sitting here in beautiful sunny day while you guys are stuck in the cold it sounds like that's all right you'll brighten our day for us i'm sure we've been looking forward to this for a long time oh well i'm so excited to get to talk to you guys all right well let's dive right in because i love what you do um the story behind what you do and behind a more good movement actually the way that it came to be when i was reading about it i was very affected too by newtown i think anybody with a soul was but for those listeners mm-hmm. out there that aren't familiar with your story, give us a little bit of background of what was the catalyst that kind of set this whole thing into motion. So I was working five years ago at a law firm in New York City. I was an assistant and I was sitting at work one morning and I was on my computer and I pulled up the news and it was the day, um, the morning of the Sandy Hook shooting. And so I was scrolling through and pressing refresh and just kind of you know, in shock at all of it, like we all were. Right. And my, my coworker came by my desk and I was kind of ignoring him reading the news and he had his Starbucks with him. And he said, you know, you should have come with me this morning. We would go about once a week for our seasonal latte when I could afford it. But I said, you know, I can't, can't fit in the budget this week. And he said, no, it was free. And so I finally kind of turned away from the news and I said, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, there was a man in here buying gift cards for employees because it was around Christmas time when the shooting happened on December 14th. And the man was buying cards for his employees and he bought an extra one for $100 and said, you know, run it out on the line behind me. So all these people got a free coffee and it was just such a cool thing. And so I, I called my mom at the time and told her about it and then quickly transitioned to talking about the shooting and how could this happen and how do terrible things like this exist and all this stuff and just kept harping on it. And my mother kind of politely interrupted me and said, you know, Mary, got to focus on that coffee story you told me. You know, what a cool thing. And, you know, there's always going to be tragedies and terrible things that happen, but there's always going to be more good out there. You just have to look for it. And so that was kind of the beginning of me focusing on the good. My mom was battling her second round of cancer and the prognosis was not good. So kind of handling that and and coping with um, the inevitable and my mom was like my best friend and I was very close with her. So it was a really, really hard time. And to be able to focus on the good that she told me and kind of look for it was really helpful. Well, yeah, and you make an interesting point. And as someone who I consider a happiness advocate who goes around the country looking for the good, when you tell that story, what I think of is you were sucked into like this new town black hole, looking at all this negative stuff. Someone came by and got your attention with a good story. And then you went right back into like new town mode. Has it been your experience, it, like the psychology of people? Are we hardwired to look at the negative? Because they always say like someone's 10 times more likely in retail to share a bad experience than a good experience. 
are we kind of just hardwired to focus when people are being outrageous or despicable or something terrible is happening? I think for all of us, it's so much easier. I mean, you can do 10 great things and then one, you know, one person will say something mean and that's what you focus on. I mean, for me, that was definitely an experience when I started this trip. I mean, I had, I usually reach out to little local stations or, or papers or anything when I get to a town so people know I'm there collecting stories. And I got to Maine and, you know, there was a little article posted about what I was doing. And this man commented on the paper website. Uh, the paper's website and said, you know, must be nice to have a lot of money from your dead mom to just frolic around the country. Wow. And so over. I was like, yeah, I was like, wow. Like, first of all, I haven't gotten a cent from that. And second of all, this whole trip is funded based on people that believe on it. Um, I've raised like $20,000 for gas and stuff just from people that know about it and have helped pay for, you know, basically gas and coffee is my biggest cost because I stay with people. Um, that support the trip. And so I stayed with this amazing host uh, in this uh, Cape Elizabeth, Maine, who made me fresh muffins with the raspberries from her garden and ran me a bubble bath, like just did these really, really sweet things. And she was incredible. It was like being in a fairy tale. I got two really beautiful, amazing stories. And yet for weeks, I focused on that man's comment. And then I was like, what am I doing? What a hypocrite. Telling people to focus on the good when I'm focusing on this guy that was mean to me. So I kind of learned to just ignore it. You know, I mean, there's always going to be people out there. And I think I was very naive thinking, you know, people are like, how do you have a hater? Like, you're just collecting good stuff. Right. You know, it's not like you're a beautiful supermodel or something and they're hating on you because they're like, there's really nothing to kind of attack with what I'm doing. But I said, you know, people will find a way um, and you just have to ignore them. I mean, it's, I can count on one hand the amount of hate I've gotten compared to how much good has oh, happened through this Well, that's trip. awesome, man. And, I mean, Fern, she's talking about Maine. She's right yeah. in her wheelhouse because you're a Maine girl. Yeah, and, you know, I was so disappointed when I heard that because that is truly not representative of how I was raised and the people that I grew up with. Um, you know, I really and Maine connected- kind of got a bad rap with what they just did with um, – that one guy running for office, right? And it was like, this skinhead, yeah. lesbian, yeah. can't tell us what to do, talking about Emma Gonzalez. So that's like, Maine just got some bad national attention. Well, that, yeah. and, you know, Governor LePage has not exactly been the advocate of um, goodness and being nice and acceptance either. So, you know, they have gotten a bad rap, but, you know, I really connected with your story because my mom was battling cancer last year. And I listened to you talk about what you went through and the feelings and like everything started welling up in me because I think there's a lot that I haven't dealt with because I had to be strong. You know, I had to take care of things. I had to do things and I had to be positive for them. And I never got to really deal with that. So when I, when I started listening to your story, like a lot of those feelings came to the surface. And then I hear that basically this guy was, how horrible he was. And I think back to, when my father used to have clam diggers come to the house and knock on the door and, and we, we didn't have a whole lot, but he would buy from those clam diggers because he knew that they needed the money. They needed to feed their kids. Or um, when I was up there, you know, my friend called and said, Hey, I just want to know if it's okay if my husband can come cut the grass for your mom and dad, because I, I know she's sick and you're busy and your dad's working and I just want to help out. And these are the things that are truly representative in that state of how I was raised. People really do take care of each other and look out for each other. So I was really disheartened that you had that experience. 
but I can attest to the people, at least in that area, in that state, that most people are good and do look out for each other and still have that sense of community uh, more so than not. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that it really, it, it's not Maine. It was that person. And I think everyone has an experience. I mean, it's almost like we were talking about alcohol. Everyone makes that joke. Oh, yeah, well, I can have everything, but not Jaeger because, you know, remember that one night in college? Yeah, because you yeah. have too much. It's not Jaeger's fault. It's kind of like Maine. I mean, anywhere you go, you can either have an amazing experience or you can't. And it, it's not based on anything. I mean, it's, you can... I mean, of course, it is based on something or whatever you experience, but you can go somewhere and meet someone incredible and it can be, uh, you know, not a really interesting town or anything like that. But you remember it and you love that town now because that happened. And then something bad can happen and suddenly now it has a bad thing. You know, it's so it's like a fleeting thing. And I think everyone has these different experiences. And I realized after that, because Maine has been one of my favorite states. So I've put that out. I've like filtered that out, that one bad guy, because the host I had there was amazing. The people that gave me a story there met me at a coffee shop with this beautiful story and a gift bag of coffee and a sticker for my car from their state and cookies from the local bakery place and a gift card for a Starbucks, like a gas gift card for 20 bucks. Like it was just like, not only were they thinking, I'm going to take the time to meet this girl and tell her my story, but I'm also going to bring her stuff that maybe she needs in her car. I mean, it was above and beyond. So I really did have an amazing time in Maine. I just was letting that eat away at me like we all do. It's so, it's so much easier to just focus on the negative. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but you have perspective now. Before you went on this journey, pre, let's say, 2012, 2010, did you consider yourself a negative person? Do you look back at Mary five years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago? and go, wow, I was really a negative person back then? And has this experience really changed you? Or is it just that you recognize the triggers and you're like, all right, like you did with this guy, you were fixated on the negative problem. That you've I think been- that, no, I think that I was always a positive person. I've always been very, and because of my mother, I mean, she was battling illnesses my entire life and always smiling and always upbeat. And I had no idea how sick she was because she didn't want to scare my family. Um, but I think I always considered myself very upbeat. And when she died, I think that I just went into this depression and I wasn't myself anymore. And that's why I was like, I need to do something to fix this. <laughs> and that's why this trip has been not only really helpful because I've gotten to continue to kind of keep her alive in a way by doing stuff that reminds me of her and, and her, her way of thinking, but also been able to heal myself so much because I talked to all these incredible people who have been through horrible things and how they've turned it around and, you know, made some type of light out of their darkness or, you know, turned into some kind of positive thing out of what they had to go through. And I think that's like the main thing, you know, we're all going to go through really hard things in our lives and it's it's about how we react to it and how we, how we move forward. And for me, that was this project. And you've collected so many different stories. And I was reading one of the stories where you said, you know, these stories that I share are about hope, but they're often rooted in a really dark place. How do you personally stay focused on the hopeful aspect, hearing all these heart-wrenching stories where the negative of it just doesn't eat you up alive? Because I feel like it would me. Well, I'm not going to lie. There's many times where I am just rolling down the street in my old Subaru crying because <laughs> it's so emotional. Wow. Um, I think that I speak with people, you know, I spoke with a family in Florida who lost their son and he was, you know, walking across the street. He was a freshman in college, baseball, full scholarship, amazing athlete, beautiful kid. 
and he got hit by a car. And the parents were telling me that on the way to identify him pretty much. Um, she wrote something cause she knew, you know, everyone was knew about it already and stuff. She wrote something, I don't know if it was on Facebook or what it was, but it said, you know, in lieu of flowers, please donate to, um, this, they set up a little fund because the kid loved the high school he went to. Right. And I think it was something like $20,000 to go to the high school and he loved his high school. So they wanted to be able to send someone who couldn't afford to, to go there in his honor. And they figured they're going to get, you know, maybe $2,000 or something. They'll pay the rest. And, and that will be their way to honor their kid because they didn't want to get home from this horrible experience is identifying their child to a bunch of funeral flowers on their lawn. So that within the night, the next morning, they had raised like $180,000. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> so they've sent like, I don't even know how many, when I was there, it, I think it was like 13 kids that they've sent to the school now. And the kids come visit them on the holidays and they stay in touch with them and they still see them and they have this whole wall of all their pictures. And, you know, it's a very, very sad, emotional story. They lost their child, but it's so cool and beautiful what they've done. I mean, they've changed 13 kids' lives who would never have been able to afford to go to this amazing school. And now the kids are doing really well because it's a, it was a really nice private high school that they went to. And, um, so I think that seeing that, it's just, yeah, it's very emotional and hearing about their kid and seeing pictures and seeing all that was very, it's a lot to consume, but to be able to highlight and focus on what they did after that if and, and compile it into a book, which is my plan to put in hospital rooms, that would have been really nice for me to, for me personally to see when I was sitting in a hospital room, knowing my mom is going to die at the end of this week. There's nothing I can do about it. And I'm going to go into this like really sad place. And how am I going to ever be happy again? That was my biggest concern. How am I going to be happy again? Um, obviously, I'll fake smile every day because I'll say, try to stay myself. But reading a story like that and seeing this person went through this devastating loss and they're smiling in this photo and they're sending these kids and they're making a difference in people's lives. I think that would have given me hope. So I think it's kind of just like a little bit of a price to pay to collect these stories and highlight the hope in them by dealing with, yeah, there's sadness too. Well, when you take on a project like this, too, I imagine because of the travel involved and not just the travel, but I, I imagine when you're headquartered or stationed somewhere, you're also immersed in the website and putting these stories together. It has to be a strain on personal relationships. And you also, you know, the other side of the coin is you must have an incredible support system because it is emotionally daunting to do all this. Oh, yeah. My sisters are they have to deal with me all the time. <laughs> I have two older sisters who pretty much stepped into like mom mode for me. Um, they're, I'm the baby of my family of four. And I just feel like, and my father also, I think this gives him a daily heart attack. I have to check in with him every night to let him know I'm still alive, especially yeah, I can imagine. with strangers and driving alone across the country. But I've experienced nothing, but I mean, incredible people uh, give or take you know someone yelling at me for cutting them off and it's funny because I just saw a car that had a sticker that said um I apologize I'm a tourist <laughs> and I told her I was like I love your sticker I need to get that because half the time I don't know where I'm driving and she said yeah you know I figured um at least when I cut someone off or something you know by accident they'll see the sticker and they'll laugh instead of being angry and I just thought what a great idea you know like it's so quick for us to jump to be mad about something. And it's like, maybe think like, check the license. They're not from here. Or I don't know, whenever I'm driving and someone's being kind of difficult, I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're rushing 
to the hospital or they're like on the way to a nursing home to visit their grandma who has Alzheimer's or something, you know, something's going wrong with them. Like, is there a reason I should be angry that they're driving a little silly? Like if it's not affecting me, I'm not in a rush. So I try to. Well, it's like Fern always says, perception is key. And Fern, whenever I feel an instinctive urge to just get mad, like if somebody cut me off in traffic, which is so petty and doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, I always think to myself, if this is the worst thing that happens to me today, I should really consider myself lucky. And I think if everything yeah. just goes into the mind frame of, really, is this something you're going to be thinking about five years from now? you know, or even five hours from now, we would all be a lot more kind to each other. Well, the other thing, too, is that a lot of people see surface, right? They see what they see from their perspective, from their life. And, you know, if you're having a bad day or, you know, things aren't quite going your way or you have a lot of stress on you, then sometimes the smallest of things can set you off. But I think working in retail for so many years, I had to learn how to understand that my my patients or my clients, they had other stuff going on and too, you just like I do that I don't see. Industry, just to give some context here. You're yeah, and you know I, the guy who comes in who you know is a complete raging dick, for lack of a better term. You know, um, there's something going on. I don't know what what financial strain he's under. Maybe someone in his family is sick. Maybe their house is in foreclosure. Maybe, you know, they did get cut off in traffic five minutes earlier. I've, I've had to learn how to take ownership of what I can take ownership of and let other people own their stuff without taking it personally and getting incensed and try to understand that, you know, everybody reacts very differently to their situations. I just... I just refuse to let them abuse me over it, but I also understand when people have these bad days in these situations, and I'm, I'm more than willing to work with somebody as long as they're not going to be abusive towards me, and that's, that's kind of where I draw the line, but I try to help, and you know, you, you really hit the nail on the head on your web, website um, when you were talking about, you know, life is messy, it's complicated, it's sad, and there's really not a damn thing you can do about it. But sometimes just reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I understand you're angry. I understand you're sad. I understand you're upset, but I'm here for you. I'm listening. I will help you. Sometimes that can mean the most to somebody. It's, you know, random acts of kindness by strangers is sometimes something that simple that can make or break somebody's day. So I think that's highly important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing, um, the biggest problem is that we just, we don't put ourselves in each other's shoes enough. You know, it's kind of just like, well, I have this going on and stuff. It's like, okay, but they have something going on too, you know? And I I think that like so much of this trip for me, it was really, really difficult and horrible. Um, It was, I mean, honestly, the worst time in my life when I lost my mother. And, you know, but then I meet these people who have gone through these things and it just, it's such a punch in the face of perspective. You know, you realize, yeah, this really stinks. I lost my mom. I was young, you know, um, but how lucky was I that I had someone that inspired me to, to be able to do this trip and that I'm doing it now. And I mean, all, everything I'm doing is because of her in some way. And that's real. I mean, yeah, I lost her a little earlier than I would have preferred, but how lucky was I that I even had her in comparison to some of these stories I've heard. So, um, yeah, perspective is huge. And I think if we all try to utilize that a little bit more, we would all have a little bit the happier existence. 
And I think you have a great perspective. And I've looked through your stuff, and I really dug in um, the last couple of days. So let's put Saucy on the couch here. So I'm a guy who is happy in his everyday personal life. I have a great mate. I have great kids. I have a great job. I'm very grateful not a day goes by where I think I probably have more than I deserve. All my rage comes from seeing when a bunch of kids who survived the mass shooting decide to get together and do a march, people are screaming, tide-eating libtards in their face. And then that just throws me, like, who could attack kids who survived a mass shooting? And it just throws me into a rage that anybody could be so hateful. How do I overcome yeah. that? Let's put me on the couch. How do I overcome that? Because in everyday life, I'm happy. It's all the hateful assholes out there that really stir me up. Right. Well, I think um, there's two quotes. <laughs> and I hate to be the person that drops quotes. <laughs> but I feel like they've helped me a lot on my trip. But there's two quotes that I think of. Um, and one is, I think 90% of life is, I mean, 10% of life is what happens to you and 90% is how you react to it. Right. So when you let those people affect you, I mean, that's on you. Um, I mean, I'm not saying don't do that because I a hundred percent do that too. And it's infuriating when they were like, are they paid actors? It's like, no, they're actually children with brains that are fighting for what they believe in. Right. Um, and that's really admirable, but also, um, you know, People are going to, it's kind of like, I can't think of the name of the um, church that protests veterans funerals. Westboro. Westboro, yeah. It's like their little affiliates of them or something. Like people that are going to attack something like that, um, they just don't have a great argument. I, I don't know why they're doing it. And I feel like um, the other quote I was thinking of is, um, you can't change a person unless they're in diapers. Ha, never heard I that one like before. That's, that's great. Yeah, and I feel like that is kind of the concept of them. I mean, you know, you can't, all you can do is stand out there and march with those kids and keep fighting and you have to ignore them. And you're not going to, you're not going to be able to negotiate with an asshole. <laughs> They're going to be one. And, you know, and, and I just think that's unfortunate. They have to wake up every morning and be an asshole. And that is really sad existence for them. And, you know, you get to go out there and march and support these kids and, and it's just, I don't know, there's always going to be um, someone that's going to try to, you know, burst your bubble or or be difficult. And it's just, it, life is kind of figuring out how to ignore that and just kind of focus on the good stuff. Because there was way more amazing people supporting that march yesterday and, you know, supporting those kids and out there with signs than there were people screaming at them. Yeah, and that's the and, work and I have, have to, to do. do. <laughs> is to focus on the positive. And I've I started going to your site the last couple of days. I'm in the middle of like doing some writing about something like kind of negative. And I go to your site afterwards and I kind of just refill myself. But that's like something we've tried to do, right, Fern? Last year when we got burned out on politics, we did the summer of fun to kind of just realign, rebalance ourselves because looking at politics all day can kind of suck you into a hate hole. Oh, it really does. It really does. And, you know, the media is really bad about that. Um, there's such a need right now for good humanitarian stories, um, people treating each other well, you know, holding a door for someone, a stranger, buying a cup of coffee. Like, there's such a need for that because people need to see that people are good. I think everybody is so polarized right now because of the political landscape and all the hate that's thrown around um, just as a society that the more people do nice and kind things for each other, the more they feel comfortable doing that for other people and the more that will grow. And, and there's definitely a need for that. And, 
you know, we try, uh, it does get a little volatile with politics, but you have to have that balance. I mean, you have to stay but informed, it's but you have to seeping into everything, right? And I know we got to get out of here in a couple minutes, but I want to touch on the news because I, shockingly, I actually first heard your story, Mary, on an interview you did on MSNBC. And it was such a great segment. And these segments are just way too far and few between. And I know most of us can agree that the media like focuses way more on the negative than the positive. And one, going out there and traveling, what toll do you think that has on our collective consciousness? And two, what can we do to co- like kind of combat it in a reality show society where people do love to watch drama unfold? Yeah, I was thinking that, too, because um, I always complain about the news, too, when I said, you know, there's all like this negative stuff out there and we're always getting shown all this horrible stuff. And my goodness, like, you know, blaming the news and and I had that interview with Stephanie and after the interview, um, which I was terrified and almost peeing my pants during, I got, you know, took the mic off and I walked over and I, you know, took a picture of us and then she gave me a hug. Wow. And it was so weird because during the interview, I was like, this is amazing. She's beautiful. And she was just like throwing out the questions and like, just like this, like reviewing her next segment and reviewing her last segment and doing 25 million things. And I was just trying not to pee. And she was like a robot to me. And then all of a sudden she just like gave me a hug and she was like, thank you so much for what you're doing. It's so nice to be able to report good news. And I just suddenly felt so bad for every single newscaster in the world because it's like, it's not their fault. They're being told they have to tell us all this bad stuff. How draining is that for them? Like, yeah, of course I'm emotionally drained doing my trip driving and this and that, but at least I'm collecting positive things. They're just, I don't know what they do they must be just absolutely drained after work every day. And then to just go into work the next day and have to report all this bad stuff. So I feel like we need to start being nice to the newscasters because they have the worst job. Well, but it, it's not even the people in charge's fault, right? I mean, there's there's two schools of thought, right? The media are like this tool of some deep state that looks to divide us on purpose because one day they're just going to like totally become tyrannical. But then there's the other, the other one that I think people don't want to admit that this news is only selling because people are buying it. So how do we shift like the collective mind to say, you know what? I've heard 20 horrible Trump stories today. How about you give me an hour of good stories? There used to be fluff pieces on every six o'clock news. Before cable news, they would report on a fire or some war going on somewhere. And then you would hear about somebody rescuing a cat from a tree. And they did a fluff piece almost every night to kind of balance it out. And now they don't. So isn't this kind of on us for saying more, more craziness? I want to hear more crazy stuff, more bad stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that's a whole nother shift that I have to figure out the answer to that kind of question. It's kind of like technology in general, how everyone's just like Snapchatting their way through life instead of experiencing anything. Everyone's always on their phone. I mean, there's like, I think that all of that stuff is contributing to this kind of type of world that we just want to, I mean, how many people watch the bachelor because they were like, Oh yeah. Like, this exactly. And then you pick someone else. Let's watch this. Like, I feel like everyone was talking about that. And it's like, this is sounds horrible. She's like crying in an airport because it didn't work out. And this is what you want to watch. Yeah. I can't stand reality TV. Um, D let's get our producer in here. Cause I did have her pull some information about the news. Yeah. And I think that everybody should kind of pull this information to put things in perspective that the news isn't, I mean, I hate the term fair and balanced, but it's not really balancing no. out 
how uh, how America really is. Mary's got way more of a grasp on how the average everyday American is than any kind of mainstream media organization. Well, and even in the mainstream media, there you're, you're right when you say there used to be more fluff pieces, but they weren't fluff. Like we have, you know, there there are psychological patterns to the way that they present the news to us. Um, and part of the reason that everybody feels so negatively about politics is because as much as 90% of what is reported on when it has to do with politicians and, you know, political races is negative. I mean, it, it just is because people will tend to be drawn towards negative words and negative phrases. I mean, that naturally for whatever reason catches our eye more often than the positive ones and it takes as many at least um i would say but they say as many as three instances of something positive to outweigh one instance of something negative in your brain so it's all very it's all really smart when you think about it but i kind of have to wonder if people like whoever it is that plans um you know the news programming if they actually intend it to be this way to keep people distracted from, you know, situations that need immediate attention, like I, I usually go with, I'm like, you know, the environment needs our attention and medicine is way out of control and, you know, all of these things. But it really does draw you in and tend to keep you on this particular path. And I mean, you know me, you've known me for almost 10 years and I used to be this super bubbly, positive, you know, just insane little rainbow person in the morning and now I'm not. And I, I think that has been because it's very easy to let yourself get bogged down with all the negative news and all of these things. So I highly recommend, I always tell everybody, look at baby animals and baby humans because for whatever reason, just seeing those things and... Well, you I, see hope. Well, and back and, to what you and were I like saying, videos, too. But it tends to, it does psychologically lift your mood and can help you get yourself back in the positive mindset. Well, let me throw this over to Fern, because Fern, what I always say, because I realize that I, me, as well as Dee... I've become a little bit more intolerant of the other side's opinion, and people be like, "Hey, man, you used to have a show that you brought Republicans on, and you you were like very open." And I said, "Listen, man, you can only have so much shit thrown at you before you yourself become shitty. I mean, people throw shit at you enough, you're going to be covered in shit." <laughs> and <laughs> we had the ignorance equation with somebody who was very far right, and I'm not going to go into the whole drama what happened there. But it just seems like things got to a boiling point where you just couldn't make any kind of headway with the other side. And now I don't know how to get back because I would like to get back. And this and looking at Mary's stuff helps me get back because I remember, wow, people are inherently good. I used to say that all the time and people would call me a hippie. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, you know, part of what I love about what you do, Mary, not just, not just your mission and your journey. And I mean, cause I literally was in tears watching your promo. <laughs> I was, I literally <laughs> cried. Like, it's just so beautiful. But the one thing I love about it is that you also show the, the, the negative side, not negative as in negativity, but as in, look, this isn't easy. It's work. And I have difficult moments. Um, I highly recommend everybody go check out your TED talk which was amazing um, because you really did share and, and even on your site, you know, that sometimes it's really hard 
And you have to hang on to those positive things. So I think, Nick, to answer your question, to get back to that point, um, being positive should not be mistaken with being happy because being positive doesn't always mean that you're happy. It's work. And believing in the good in people doesn't necessarily mean you're naive. It just means that you're, you're holding on to that good instead of letting the bad and the shit that you're covered in weigh you down. And sometimes that good is hard to find and sometimes it's small. But sometimes that's all you need to use as fuel to put one foot in front of the other and move forward and make the world a better place. Because really negativity, combating negativity is not going to lead anywhere but negative. Too true. Yeah. It's like when Darth Vader <laughs> and a Luke Skywalker scene, it's like, are you going to give in to the Emperor? That sort of thing. We all have choices to make. All right, we're going to have to get out of here in a second. Let me kind of segue over here and finish up with this, because you're on this mission. You're traveling 50 different states, and I kind of know the answer to this already, but let's kind of wrap this up in a nice little bow. I know you're only about halfway through your journey. As... um you're doing this journey, what is the prognosis, the overall prognosis? Are you finding that people are just far outweighing all the hateful bullshit we see online every day and on social media and in the news? I mean, is it just really like we've got to get off our computers and got to stop looking at the news and interact? Like yeah, in I mean, human I think form. That the, yeah, I think that when um, people interact with each other and just sit down and start talking to someone, um, it will change your whole day. I mean, just those experiences are always, everyone I talk to always has some, you know, Oh, I met this man in the airport and we talked for two hours or this or that just really, that's the moment where we're stepping into each other's shoes and just listening. And I feel like those are people always have these amazing stories about other people they talked with and, um, and to connect to with the prognosis and also politics. Um, it's been really cool. I started my journey right before this huge election we had and I think I've talked about politics twice and it's because, you know, we really delved into the topic. So we brought politics up. No one talks to me about politics. It is the best. Like no one brought it up. And it was during this huge political election that we just had when I started my journey and no one would bring it up to me. And, and if they do, I, I always tell them this, this project is not a political project at all. I stay in the homes of Trump supporters. I stay in the homes of Clinton supporters or Bernie supporters or anyone and, you know, I've had such a range of stories that I've gotten from people that are on either side. And, you know, this is just a project that shows we're all humans and we're all capable of kindness. And it, it has nothing to do with our politics or our religion or anything else. We're just, I think people are innately good. And I think that that's what I've gotten to see the most on this trip. Wow. So does it make it easier for you when you see, I'm not sure how much you're online. I scour the comment threads on articles and stuff because I just do it for research. And I just see the most ridiculous, hateful stuff being spouted out. Do you purposely stay away from that stuff or because you're out yeah. there? So you do purposely <laughs> kind of stay away from it. Yeah. And also, I don't know, like sometimes people, um, like you guys, we found my project and you're in Tennessee. Like sometimes if someone repost my project or something like that, I don't even know. So I wouldn't know to read their comments. But after the experience in Maine, and then there was some other thing that was like a random Facebook media group. I don't remember what it was that shared my project. And someone commented, she's going to get her car stolen. And I was like, well, if I do now, I know who did it. No. Um, right. But I feel like after that, it was just like, there's no point. This isn't doing anything for me but bringing me down so why would i read the comment section i mean people that sit in the comment section 
they they I don't know. I, well, and I as don't a know side what they're doing. Note, they go outside and talk to a human. <laughs> when you're meeting humans along the way that you're not even kind of scheduled to meet, you just run into somebody at a coffee shop or at a gas station, and they're kind of like, well, what are you doing? Why are you traveling around? And you tell them, did her eyes light up? Like, are people actually hungry People are giving me this? the keys to their home when this happens. I mean, I was in New Mexico, and I stopped at a place to just get um, a coffee. That's a lie. I stopped for a margarita. Not going to lie. I stopped because they had the best margarita in this little place in Taos, New Mexico. And I just, you know, was reading my book and having a margarita and just taking a break from driving for a little while. And this old man joined me and we started talking and I told him my life story. He told me his, he was about 82. And within like 10 minutes, he was like, I can leave. I have a home in Palm Springs and I'm always in Texas at my other house. So I can leave a key under the flower pot and if you need a week or two to just relax and do some writing, I'll give you the address to my home. And he texted me the address to his home. I mean, it was ridiculous that like people are, but they do that all the time. They don't even know me. And they're like, here's the lock code to my home. <laughs> that makes me feel great. And Fern, you've talked a lot about anonymity and how people get online and they're a totally different person. How do we apply to what Mary's doing online? Is there a way for us to go? Because I remember one time years ago when I was a lot more brass and I was young and I was kind of an asshole. I was in a check cashing place and I like two days before Christmas, I had to do all this shopping. I was stressed out and I started going off on the lady at the cash check cashing place. She was like, I need you to fill this. And I was like, do you want you want me to take a piss test? You want some blood? And all these people in line were like, come on, man. She's just doing her job. Yeah, it's Christmas. Right. And and just totally, my whole tone came down. I was like, all right, I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. But you can't do that to somebody on Facebook. If you're like, hey, you know, why are you being so aggressive? We're just here to have a talk. They'll just start screaming snowflake in your face. Why is that screen such a barrier that just changes us as human beings, not all of us, some of us. Well, part of that also comes back to perception. I mean, there are pe- people who are blatant assholes, yes. There are people who are just blatantly out there and just being horrible. There are also people who will make a comment, and the intent doesn't come through in the pixels the same way that it's received based on whoever's reading it and what mood they're in and what they have going on. So somebody can make an innocuous comment that really it doesn't have a a real negative connotation to it. It could just be, I disagree with your opinion, and here's why. And if they don't choose their vernacular carefully, the recipient of that can take that horribly left. So it's really important to, number one, choose your words carefully and say what you mean and mean what you say. And number two, understand if somebody comes back at you and says, you know, starts being ugly, just say, whoa, let me explain my position. That's not what I meant. And then also understand there are battles you aren't going to win. There are people who are just going to be viscerally hateful and remove that toxicity from your view. I mean, but they might be totally more toxic in their person. life. I don't believe 99% of the people who say this stuff online would ever say it to someone's face. No. And there's an interview with Louis C.K. Um, I know he's kind of in the dark right now with the whole Me Too movement, but he did make a really good point in a speech, in a speech, in a um, talk show with, Conan O'Brien, I think. And he says, you know, back in the day when you said something mean, you looked at the person's face, you said, you know, you're fat. And then you looked at their face and it, you know, squeezed up and they looked upset and you're like, Ooh, I did that. I made them feel like that. Now you just send in a text message. You're like, haha, yeah, that feels good. Cause you don't know what you're doing. You're just writing something mean and you don't have to deal with the consequence of the reaction or how you made that person feel. Cause it's all behind these comments or posts or Instagram caption, you know, all this stuff. 
And there is a story about Sarah Silverman. I don't know if you guys saw where there was a person commenting. I think they called her a really nasty word and she responded to it and was like, yeah, Sarah, sorry that you, yeah. And she like went back and then found out that he was like having horrible back pains. And that's why he was like an angry person. And then she like paid for his back surgery. I don't know. But it was like this whole cool story. And it was just like half the time, either it's an internet troll that there's just no hope or it's a person that's really angry and mad and he's handling it completely wrong. But to kind of combat that hate with love and just like, you know, throwing your kindness at them, it could work. And it worked with her and it was just like a really cool thing. So I think you just have to be like, you know, a lot of times in life, if you're the bigger person and you just keep pushing your positivity out there, then, you know, that's how the whole project started. I was like, I can't not be on Facebook. I'm a wedding photographer. So it's free marketing for myself to be on Facebook. And so if I can't not be on there, at least I can be on there and throw my positive stuff on there since there's so much negative. So, Man, I hope you're right. And I really hope that this project (laughs) is just waking people up across the country. I feel like people are hungry for it. And I just hope we're going to turn a corner. And I think we are. I think these marches that are going on is that. All right, we got to get out of here. So let's end with this. What are some things that us average schmoes can do like on a semi-daily basis to put more good in the world? Just little things. Um, I think it's just the concept of, you know, if you feel like you don't have a story to share or you don't have, you know, this kindness or you're not seeing it, then be it. And, you know, just go out there, buy someone a coffee. It's amazing how good it makes me feel to just, you know, talk to a stranger or smile at people, just smiling. I always do that. I'm walking through these random towns and I always smile at people like Buddy the Elf and people smile back. Like almost every single person that I've done that to, they like kind of look at you weird, like maybe you're crazy, but then they smile at you. Well, that's good advice. That's sound advice, right, Fern? Absolutely. And, you know, I had a conversation with Danielle, our wonderful producer and one of my best friends. And, you know, she told me, she said, Fern, you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. You can't pour from an empty cup. And that's yeah, something I think that a lot of people... Mask, right, Fern? The fault they exactly. always say when you're on an airplane, always put the oxygen mask on yourself first before your kid, because if you pass out, you're useless. Right, yeah. but I think so many people are, are harder on themselves than they would be on any person on any normal given day, number one. And I think that that sometimes makes some people angry, but it also, it depletes you and you can't take care of other people or do good things for people if you're not doing good things for yourself. So little things like putting on your favorite pair of pajamas or watching your favorite cartoon, something really, really small, eating one of your favorite foods, just to do something so small to make yourself happy will remind you to make someone else happy and do something nice for someone else, reach out to someone else. And, you know, maybe if you also take care of yourself, you can take care of other people. Treat yourself like Parks and Rec. Yeah. I've never seen that episode. That's great. All right. We got to get out of here. Mary, I want to thank you so much for bringing all your goodness to the show. We definitely need more stories like yours. Speaking of more stories like yours, where can we find you on the interwebs? Um, So the website is moregood.today, and that's also the Instagram handle. And on Facebook, it's the original project um, that I started before my mom passed away, and it's called the Gratitude Project with two T's, like attitude. Yeah, and I was checking that site out, actually. How has that morphed into the more good? I noticed you never kind of changed the name and you're kind of sticking with that. Are people getting confused about that? Are you going to eventually streamline everything into one project? Um, I might. The Gratitude Project started, um, this is kind of just like a a road trip to make the book for hospitals. Um, I kept the Gratitude Project going 
because I started it with a friend and I just feel like maybe someday if, if little projects morph off of it, that's, you know, it's good to have that foundation and, and this more good thing is a personal project. Um, and so I didn't want to kind of, you know, ditch the idea of the concept of starting it with a friend and everything like that. So I've kind of just kept it going right now. Okay. What states are you headed to next? Are you on the road right now? Uh, yes, I'm driving through Solvang, California, which is a really cool little town. Um, and I am going to the San Francisco area next and then north up to Oregon and Washington. Wow. All righty. Well, we will definitely keep tabs on you. I'll definitely keep sharing your stuff. And we'll have you back over to summer because we'll be shifting gears again into our Summer of Fun project. So we'll have you on from time to time to kind of check your progress. Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. And Dee, I know you actually chose the song this week because there's been a song that's been inspiring you every morning to kind of wake up and boogie and get yourself into a positive headspace. Absolutely. (laughs) And I highly recommend having a positivity playlist on whatever device you use because you never know when you just need to pop it in and get it going and whatever. Um, And every time I hear this, I think of Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy dancing, and that's like my favorite (laughs) character in the universe. There's nothing happier than that. Yeah, Um, you would have to be a cold, heartless robot (laughs) not to smile thinking about Groot. I don't want to meet the person who doesn't smile watching Groot. Of course. So, just to keep the happy going, here is Mr. Blue Sky from Electric Light Orchestra. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. We'll be back Saturday. Bye. Watch.
to do. Everybody's got to do.